I am a typical Arab. I have an American accent. I was born in England. My father's Palestinian. My mother's Lebanese. My girlfriend's Saudi. Pretty standard, really. <laughs> But on behalf of the 392 million Arabs that extend from Morocco to Iraq, I bid you welcome, and I say to you, Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. This is also the same way we say goodbye, which might not make a lot of sense. But of course, if you watch the news and see what happens in the Middle East, very little of what happens there makes sense. We're a very tribal people, and we've been driven by our religions, by our beliefs, by our geographies, by the rivers we're surrounded by. And you know, we, as Arabs, we've always been tribal. And you know, when I was invited to come to this conference, I really kind of cautioned myself to say, go out and find the new tribes. What does the Middle East look like today, in a place where it's completely changing? And what I found when I looked around was a generation of people that are de defined by three characteristics: we're connected, we're lost, and we're confused. Let's talk about being connected. Our appetite for social media and online content is insatiable. If you look at a platform like Twitter, for example, a platform that is stagnating or declining in most markets, Saudi Arabia has the highest global penetration of Twitter usage of any country in the world, and the region sees continued solid growth. When it comes to Facebook, we have 232 million users in the MENA region, five times the number we had five years ago. And we have doubled the global video consumption. We are hungry, hungry for content. So it's no surprise that when it comes to YouTube, we have over 510 million video views a day. And Saudi Arabia, again, the highest per capita consumption of YouTube globally. Every man, woman, and child on the internet watches seven videos a day on average on YouTube. And when it comes to Instagram, 2.3 million active users in the UAE, 12 million active users in Saudi Arabia. Even Snapchat, the newest of these, again, a million users in the UAE. Over 8 million daily active users in Saudi Arabia. It's an, an audience that is insatiable when it comes to content and media. But very importantly, we're lost. Because if you look at a map of the Middle East, this is what you see: borders that were drawn with straight lines. This is one of the few places in the world where our borders were drawn not by rivers, not by mountain ranges. But by French and British diplomats a hundred years ago, and it was a complete oversimplification of who we are and where we are. Where they said, "Oh, we'll just draw these lines, and the French can have this bit, and the British can have this bit, and we'll give this bit to somebody else." The reality is, this is what the tribes of Arabia look like. This is the patchwork of ethnographies, of geographies, of religions, of tribal allegiances that we have. And so, it's no wonder that you look today and you see countries like Syria, countries like Iraq, these fictional constructions of diplomats that are tearing themselves apart, and everybody is retreating to their tribe. Everybody is retreating to their corner. There was an interesting report that came out last year by the United Nations、um, Development Report, where they talked about the Arab kind of human condition today. The Middle East has five percent of the world's population, and yet. We have 45% of the global terrorist attacks in the world. We have 57% of the world's refugees and 68% of the world's battle-related deaths. It's never been harder to be a young Arab than it is today. And we export two things in the Middle East, notably: we export oil, which you all know about. There's something else we export: our youth, our best and brightest. Between 2010 and 2014, 6% of the population of Egypt left the country, 9% of Jordan. 14% of Lebanon, 24% of Palestine, and these aren't just anybody who's leaving. In Jordan, that 9%, 62% of them have university educations. We are exporting our best and brightest away from our homes, away from their countries, into new places, and that's where our new tribes are being formed. So it's no wonder that we're confused, because we find ourselves today trying to cling to our beliefs, 
to the things that made us who we are, to our initial tribes, but social media, content, this diaspora is changing everything around us. There's a survey that takes place every year called the Arab Youth Survey, where they interview 3,500 young Arabs aged between 18 and 22 and ask them the same questions every year. In 2011, they asked them, which is the following is closest to your view? And at the time, 17% believed that traditional values are outdated and I want to embrace modern values, but 83% still believed in traditional values and that that's what we should hang on to. Look at what's happened in the last few years, a steady erosion of the belief in traditional values. We are literally torn down the middle today as young Arabs, not knowing if we should be modern or if we should be traditional. The same applies to our language, because Arabic is the only great unifier we have as Arabs, is our language. And even that is under threat today, because when you ask these same group of young people, is Arabic central to my national identity? 80% say yes. Is Arabic losing its value? 60% believe it is. Is knowing English more important for my career than knowing Arabic? 71% believe it is. So even our language, the core of our identity, is under threat today. And we find ourselves today becoming a generation of what we call the hyphenated Arabs. I'm an Arab-American, I'm a Swedish Arab, I'm a Shia, I'm a Muslim. We don't even know who we are anymore. We can't just be Arabs anymore. And if we look around the region and we look into kind of see what's happening in different places, probably the most important place to start is Saudi Arabia. You know, the most, the most important, the largest population, you know, the center of our religion and everything else. And when you talk about Saudi Arabia, it's easy to look at images like this, right? This is a conference in 2012 on women. What's missing? <laughs> the women. This is a conference in 2017 on girls. What's missing? The girls. And so it'd be very easy to kind of point to these parodies of our culture and say, this is what the Middle East looks like today. But the reality is social media is enabling a new change and a new form of expression and things like this. And this is a video that became very popular last year in Saudi Arabia. Great. You know, I mean, there's a lot of conversation taking place, and people are finding ways to express themselves on social media that would have been unthinkable on traditional media. And they're driving new conversations. But this is such an interesting place, Saudi Arabia, because it's full of young people. 55% of the population is under the age of 35. And not only that, we are the site of the holiest, you know, the holiest sites in Islam are based in Saudi Arabia, but everything is subject to disruption by technology today. And when I say everything, I mean everything. 
And you can see here this man performing his tawaf at the Umrah, actually going around the Kaaba on a hoverboard. So everything is up for disruption by technology today. It's incredible. But it's all of this. You know, for example, last year they actually hosted Comic Con in Saudi Arabia for the first time. And, you know, the concept of young men and women going into a room together and interacting and mingling and expressing themselves and geeking out on sci fi would have been unthinkable. But even Saudi Arabia realizes the need to legislate and to enable these forms of entertainment to take place. Today they've actually created a general authority for, of entertainment, which the Wall Street Journal calls the Ministry of Fun. Because they realize these kids need to be entertained. You know, it's a concept as old as time itself. And so if you look at this picture, from the Saudi Film Festival in 2015. What's remarkable is not looking down, it's if you turn around and look behind you and you see women sitting in the audience, men and women sitting in a dark room watching films together, unthinkable three years ago. And it's not just in Saudi Arabia, they're even exporting their films to the US now, where they're actually going, screening their films in Hollywood, and then actually getting things awarded. And you know what's really interesting? You know who's making the films in Saudi Arabia? Women. Women are twice as likely to direct a film in the Middle East as men are. 26% of the directors in the Middle East are women today. And this is incredible, because you talk to someone like Ahed Kamil, for example, she's a director, and she says to you, I will play a subjugated woman in my movies, but there's a very powerful woman standing behind this camera that's filming this thing. And so even the biggest brands in the world today are jumping on this and realizing the power of enabling women in Saudi Arabia, and here's how some of the brands are expressing themselves. It's wonderful to see that brands are shifting this conversation. And if we shift the conversation to Lebanon, this is a country that has two th no shortage of two things, creativity and problems. Today, Lebanon has over 2 million Syrian refugees. And so whenever we watch the European countries crying, oh, 30,000 Syrians, what are we going to do with them? The Lebanese are like, bitch, please, we've got 2 million. <laughs> And it's, become, it's always been an incredible melting pot of, of, of music, of creativity, and you find bands like Mashru' Layla. This is a band, you know, they sing only in Arabic, but they talk about, you know, corruption, they talk about sex, they talk about alcohol, and they're incredibly powerful, very modern. Their last album launch had over a million people watching the live stream. It's incredible. I mean, these guys are really leading such a powerful social movement. But what's really notable about them is their lead singer, Hamid Sinno. This is a man who's Arab, American, Muslim, and gay. And by his own words, he says, this is what it looks like to be called both a terrorist and a faggot. 
And as a result, he keeps getting banned everywhere he goes in the Middle East. So last year, he was banned, the, the, band was, the band was banned from performing in Jordan because they violated the moral codes. What was amazing was the next place they performed was in the U.S., right after the shooting of the gay nightclub in Orlando. And this man became such an unlikely bridge between the Arab world and the Western world, between the gay world and the straight world. And this is such a wonderful example of people like him, the best of us, standing up against the worst of us. And they tried to play in Jordan again this summer, and they got banned again. But if we look at the UAE, my home, you know, this is probably the biggest melting pot. This is probably where the most new tribes are being created today. And you, know, you have things like this, for example. This is called the Dukan Show. This is a, a platform for third culture kids. The Dukan is the, the tuck shop, the corner shop where all the kids used to go. And Omar, the, the boy in the foreground, he's Sudani, but he was born and raised in the UAE. Reem, his partner, is half Filipino, half Iraqi, and she grew up in Canada. So incredibly emblematic of what, of what these sort of kids look like today. But what they've done is they've created a platform to actually celebrate the new tribes, to celebrate the third culture kids, and to talk about all sorts of interesting people like Narsi. This is a Canadian Iraqi rapper, poet, and musician. You know, these other photographers and artists creating new visual languages today. And probably the most notable of the people they've showcased in the new tribes is El Cid. This is a Tunisian man, born and raised in France, who lives in the UAE today, and he's championed what we call calligraphy, where you actually take traditional classic Arabic calligraphy and turn it into graffiti. And here's a beautiful piece that he created, and the scale of ambition here is remarkable. Oops, sorry. It's incredible. And it can only be seen from the top of a mountain in one spot. And it actually says, he who wants to see the sun needs to shake the scales from his eyes. And so we see these third culture kids everywhere. This is a hip-hop band. These are three guys. They have six different nationalities between them. And they say Dubai is the third culture community capital of the Middle East. And if I want to show you one last image, it's this image of these three women. Because when we talk about the Middle East, these are the women we talk about, right? Women covered, subjugated, you know, subservient to men. The first one is the Minister of Tolerance a lady who's in charge of finding a way for the 200 nationalities in the UAE to get along with each other. The next one, Uhud Rumi, is the Minister of State for Happiness, because that's the greatest thing that a country could express. And the third one is the Minister of State for Youth. She's 24 years old and she's a minister. And so when I went on this journey and really kind of tried to look around to see what I would find, I didn't know what I would find. I kind of was wondering where I would zero out in all this. And I thought we'd find a place where none of us belonged and our content, our culture, entertainment just became really generic and really blah. But instead, I found wonderful things. I found a 24-year-old minister. I found a Saudi film director smashing the patriarchy with her camera. I found these third culture kids celebrating the fact that we belong nowhere and belong everywhere at the same time. These proud, strong bands standing up against oppression, calligraphy, you know, and poets and artists. But if I leave you with one word today, I'd like that word to be hope, because we've never needed it more than we do now. 
Every time I stand up on a stage, I say I've never seen the Middle East as bad as I have. It's racked by sectarianism, by violence, by persecution, by injustice. And you know what? Every time I stand on a stage again, it's worse than it was the last time. And so we really do need hope. And, and I really do believe that this Arab digital generation is going to change the world in ways that we can't even imagine yet. Because hope sometimes is all we've got, and we really need it right now. You know, and we need to remember, you know, the Middle East, this is the cradle of civilization. This is the birthplace of religion. And we have this young, hungry audience that is connected, that is lost, that is confused, but is going to change the world in ways that we can't even imagine. And now more than ever, we need the best of us to stand up to the worst of us. That's my hope. And I hope you enjoyed this talk, and I hope you share my thought. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you. Thank you very much.